0: It's not fun to not be able to hang out with anybody. Like, I miss all of my friends, and I never thought I would say this, but I miss going to school.
1: You are listening to the Alpha Parent Podcast. I'm Yulia, your host, and I'm an executive function coach, and I work with families to help them create better systems to get along and get stuff done in this series of interviews i'm connecting with uh, teenagers to get their perspective on um, lots of things uh, with a focus on adhd and relationships especially relationships in their family and we're talking to teens to learn What do they care about? What do they believe? What is meaningful to them and what is important to them? What motivates them? In an effort uh, for parents and teens listening to better connect and understand each other because this is at the root of our work together. So I'm introducing Nathan. And Nathan, welcome to the podcast.
0: Hello, as Julia said, I'm Nathan. I am 16, I'm actually turning 17 in three days um i'm a junior and i do have adhd you
1: you fit the profile perfectly thank you so much for <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for being um on this podcast with me i'm so excited to share your voice and the voices of other teens
0: yeah i thought it was cool that you asked me to do this so thank you
1: so we're going to start off here with uh just a few questions so that the audience can better get to know you so that we can relate to you and then our topic for today is going to be playing the game. And we're talking about uh, navigating school and life as a teen with ADHD and how you have uh, developed your ability to quote unquote play the game. And we'll, we'll jump into that more. And this is an interesting topic that I, I've heard from so, so many students your age um, where they're talking about the system and how they are navigating it. Um, so first of all, Nathan, I'd love for you to share a little bit about you. What do you love? What are you an expert at? And who are your heroes?
0: Um, well, honestly, what I love is actually kind of interesting. And I've never met anybody else who has this. But I love going on. And learning about new things and new talents and tricks and stuff like that. And it actually segues into the third question as well. What am I good at? I have been very blessed with the fact that I can basically learn anything that I really want to really fast. So, and I love doing it because there is so much interesting stuff to learn and you just don't know about it because... You'll see people do it, but the one person can only do it. And I go around and I learn about it all because I just love learning about interesting things. So.
1: That sounds so cool. Give us a couple examples of something you learned. I learned how
0: to solve a Rubik's Cube in under 30 seconds in three months. I know how to do card magic. I taught myself to do gymnastics uh, and then I taught myself to do a form of martial arts that's combined with gymnastics. Um, I taught myself to longboard. I've taught myself uh, card magic, coin magic, how to draw, um, and a ton of other odd things that I could show you if I were in person, but I can't describe them to you, but they're just cool talents I can do.
1: That is so cool. How do you go about learning something new?
0: Um, Well, usually I'm online just browsing around one of my social medias, looking at youtube maybe and something interesting will catch my eye i won't know what it is until i see it but as soon as i see it i'm fixated on it and i'm stuck on it and i will go watch every youtube video about how to learn it and i'll get anything i need to do it and i will work and work and work and put insane amounts of time and effort into it when i get fixated on something then i will not stop until i have become the best i can possibly be at it
1: wow talk about hyper focusing right
0: Yes, really.
1: I'm curious, what does it feel like for you to be in that state?
0: It's exhilarating. I mean, I love it because it's, it's what I feel like I'm supposed to do because I can do it really easily. I learn stuff in times shorter than a lot of other people. So,
1: Does that cross over for you into school and learning the subjects in class?
0: Yeah, I usually um, can put in about the same amount of effort. I mean, because when I'm in school and I'm focusing on something, then I will learn. It. But the problem is that I'm focused on something else if it's something interesting. And so it's oftentimes hard for me to keep my attention on school because school isn't the thing that I want to be doing. Mm mm-hmm.
1: And we'll talk about that a little bit later, about how you motivate yourself to do things that you you don't necessarily prefer to do, um, and what your belief system is about that, and how that helps you to get through some of that stuff. So that's yeah. definitely the topic of this conversation. Before we get into that, I'd love for you to share um, who are some of the heroes or people that you look up to?
0: Um. Well, before I share that, in a way, I kind of set my own precedence. Like there are people that I look up to, but I still kind of do it my own way, if that kind of makes sense, and give it my own kind of touch. So, and I just think, because there's like qualities in these people that I look up to, and I combine them all to create who I want to be.
1: Mm, I love that. So there are many people who you look up to and you take the the best qualities that you like about them and you combine that into a unique identity for yourself.
0: Yeah. I mean, I look up to my dad because he is just always there. And I admire all the virtues and the strength that he has because he will just, he uh, does all the work. And does everything. And I just look up to him for doing that and persevering through that because, you know, nobody wants to go to work. Nobody really, you know, he he doesn't, he might not want to do it, but he enjoys the work that he has. And so he got lucky there because there are a lot of people who don't have jobs that they enjoy. So, but I look up to him because he just keeps going.
1: That's, that's awesome. And you're not just saying that because he might be listening, right?
0: He's in the basement.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, listening later once this is out.
0: (laughs) I have no idea.
1: (laughs) Okay. I'm just joking with you. That's really cool. So your dad is one of your heroes Mm -hmm. and you admire his ability to persevere and work hard and also that he does what he loves and you look up to that. Mm -hmm. It sounds like you want the same for yourself. You'd like to, um, have a career later on that you're passionate about.
0: Yeah, it's definitely something I would like.
1: And I'm curious if you can share some of the other heroes or people that you look up to and how you apply those characteristics uh, in your life, in your world.
0: Well, in the same way that I look up to my dad for, you know, doing what he loves, I also look up to all of my teachers at my school. Because just the fact that they're able to dedicate themselves to what they love. Because each of their individual subjects is what they've gone through education on how to teach. They've sculpted their life around the thing that they love. So,
1: You seem like you really have a good relationship with, it sounds like, all of your teachers. Is that true?
0: Yeah. Yeah, overall, they're very supportive.
1: That's really, I want to say, unique to hear. Because, you know, some I considered myself lucky if I had one or two really outstanding. I got
0: lucky this year. The last two years, I had a lot of teachers <laughs> who I didn't like and they didn't like me. But this year, this year, I got really lucky.
1: To stay on that subject for just a minute, what was the difference between your performance in the classes where... You had oh, a good relationship.
0: Nice. because These these two teachers were actually both science teachers. And I love my science teacher this year, but I did not like the last two. Uh, the first one, he had a very strict sense of how his classroom should be run. And he was not lenient at all. And due to my ADHD, it's oftentimes hard for me to remember stuff. Mm-hmm. Or it was back then because I didn't have a reliable system that I had to keep track of it and things would off, fall off the table and he was not happy about that but that didn't that was not the same between uh, my next teacher she was southern and she also had an idea of how her classroom had to be run and to give you an example I was asking my friend for a pencil in the middle of a quiz like I was like hey can I get a pencil and then she was like, you're cheating and I'm giving you a zero on your quiz. And like that for, for basically no reason. And it was and she had she definitely did not like me because I was not I was not very good at turning stuff in again because I didn't have a system. And she kind of took that personally. <laughs> so. mm.
1: That's important to 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 really understand how. If you have a deficit or a lagging skill and you don't have the ability or a system that allows you to keep track of, for example, your assignments, um, it's interesting that, you know, the teachers who take that personally and characterize you in a certain way, you end up not having a very safe relationship. Yeah. I wrote down the word, word while you were describing your teacher. It sounds like she was rigid, like it's my way or no way. Yes.
0: Mm. Okay. And she was, she was very personal. She had, she had grudges against students. Mm
1: -hmm. So this combination of. I was not
0: the only one.
1: Yeah. Okay. So that makes sense, right? So this combination of taking behaviors personally and not being flexible, uh, created an unsafe relationship. And let me guess, how well did you do in her class?
0: Not very well. I had, it was a struggle. It was one of the most difficult classes I've taken and I used to enjoy the subject. Mm. Like I was interested in the matter and I liked it, but it was hard because, and I just didn't end up, ended up did not liking it that much. And at the end of the year, she had this science fair and thank goodness for my parents because they were able to help me and keep me working on it because I put in so much work on that science here project. And to give you an idea, like I presented it well and everything, and I got a B on mm. it. And then, in my opinion, there were some other ones who weren't as good, but they were from some students that she liked. So she mm-hmm. gave them an A. And mm. that is one reason I don't like the grading system, but I'll talk about that later. Okay.
1: We can get into grading later. We probably share a lot of opinions about that that are similar. So we got into this because we were talking about the difference between teachers you like and teachers you don't like and how that affects uh, your ability to do well in their class and the fact that you're lucky right now because you, you have a great set of teachers and you look up to them. So you mentioned Dr. McMahon. One of your yeah. teachers, and you shared something with me that really was the reason why I wanted to interview you for this um, podcast um, because what you shared really struck <laughs> me as uh, as really important. Um, so can you share with the people listening um, what how has Dr. McMahon impacted your your life, your education, your beliefs?
0: Um, well, he shared a quote from the book Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison, and I have taken that quote and actually internalized it, and I think that it's the way that I should apply it to my life. And the quote is said by a character in the book, and it, it's split into three parts. Um, the first one is, play the game, but play it your own way at least some of the time. The second one is play the game, but know that it's a game. And the third one is play the game and raise the ante.
1: What is meaningful about this quote to you? Play the game, play your own way, at least some of the time.
0: Well, I mean, you have to read underneath or in between the lines and understand that this is something that actually can be applied to you if you switch the word "game" to "life" and think mm-hmm. about it that way. Because there's a lot of things in life that you have to go through like, to get to where you want to be. If you, even if I don't like the system that school is, I can't just not do it because I don't like it because that won't get me anywhere. But if you advocate for yourself and make sure that you're firm in your beliefs, that's playing the game, but playing it your own way because you're applying it to you and you're keeping yourself who you are and making sure that even though you're fitting the shape, you're not conforming to it.
1: That's so well said. So you can, you can mold yourself into what is expected, but without losing yourself to the process. So what you're talking about is having an awareness of the game aka whatever the system is understanding that it's a system understanding that you've got to get through it the best you can but at the same time you're not losing yourself you're not allowing the system to define who you are as you get as you go through it
0: I think that sums it up pretty well
1: this last part of the quote when you say play the game and raise the ante." How do you interpret that and apply it to yourself?
0: Raise the ante means raise the expectations for yourself, or at least for me, because one. This is one of the models that I have, and the other one that I apply to my hyperfocusing is I can do anything that I put my mind to. Mm. And so, raising the ante is realizing that you can do greater things than you think you can, even if they're going to be a challenge. And even if you're going to have to work for them, you can, as long as you're getting there, you can go step by step, little by little, but as long as you're going to get there, that's raising the ante because you're trying to get more out of your life.
1: Have you always believed this and applied it this way? Or was there a time when you were more maybe defiant? Maybe you rebelled against the system?
0: Oh, um, yeah, like my 10 years old to 13. And actually before that, I was a bad kid.
1: (laughs) What do you mean bad kid do
0: anything? Oh, I was really disrespectful. And I would be like, I would get punished a lot of the time for yelling and screaming and throwing fits and just being a bad kid when I didn't get what I wanted. And then somewhere when I got to be like 13 or 14, I I don't know what happened. And like my perspective on life just changed, like something snapped. And I was like, I somehow realized this is not working for me. I need to try something else. And that was the point where Actually, Dr. McMahon even said that I have, or actually, my counselor and Dr. McMahon both have said that I have a new observing ego. Like I can look at the way I'm thinking and change that. And I don't know how I got to do that, but I can do it now.
1: So, so talk about this observing ego. How do you experience that day to day?
0: Um. Well, it's really adaptive because what happens is you look at situations that are happening to you and you analyze what the outcomes are going to be. And you go through the situation and then afterwards you examine it and say, did this go the way I wanted it to go? And if not, you say, why did this not go the way I wanted it to go? And you think about the way your thought patterns in- impacted yourself, the way you handled that situation and you file that away with the intention of remembering it next time and changing your thought patterns and realizing that that didn't work last time.
1: You're describing, you know, we call metacognition, which is becoming the observer of yourself, but not just observing it, but mapping out the patterns of thought that you have and thinking through to the consequences of whatever actions and asking yourself why did i do it that way what was the outcome was that the outcome i wanted what can i do differently so am i understanding that right yeah and you know that's a pretty incredible skill it is really the outcome that we're working toward when you're working with an executive function coach beyond learning whatever the specific tools and strategies are to help you get through whatever the system is or the expectations um, is this ability that we're aiming for a practice that I hope that you know the students and the families I work with apply which is what you just described as becoming aware of your patterns and whether they are leading you to the outcomes that you that you want so to hear that from you um is pretty amazing um and it's it's a wonderful skill to have at your age Uh, i know i didn't develop that until probably my late 20s (laughs) i (laughs) was pretty blind to my own uh Actions and my, I was blind to my ADHD, and I was woefully unaware of how my impulsivity and my behavior led to some pretty terrible consequences. Like, I did not learn from my consequences, and I wonder if you can relate to that.
0: Um, yeah, before again, before my viewpoint changed, my perspectives changed before that. I would just, if I didn't get what I would want, I would try and try to get it, but I wouldn't be progressive. I would just go back and try to get it and I wouldn't be able to get it. And so I would get throw tantrums and get really angry and just out of control and absolutely in a rage. And But then at some point I just realized that it, it didn't work that way and I needed to change something.
1: Hmm. You shared with me before another thing that Dr. McMahon shared with you that also impacted the way you thought and the way you behaved. So can you share that with us?
0: Um, yeah, because what he shared is actually also important in understanding the first quote because it is both significant and meaningful to me and my teacher has defined those words in two different ways. Mm -hmm. For instance, if something is significant, it means that it has that same significance to everyone. For instance, if there is a blue car, then it is a blue car. But if something has meaning, then it means that the blue car, it could've, it might've been your dad's car, and you have good memories of him being in the car with you in the past, and in that way, it's meaningful to you. But to everyone else who looks at that same car, it might be a nice blue car that they look at and they say, oh, that's that's a nice car. But they're, they're not going to have the same memories that you had mm-hmm. and the same meaning to them. And
1: how did that impact what you saw as significant and meaningful?
0: Well, I mean... I think this quote taken outside of the context of anything can even be applied to everything because even to quite literally games, you want to develop your own strategies and raise the stakes when possible. Um, But to the meaning, even the meaning to me is how I'm actually taking it and applying it to my decisions and my views.
1: So can you think of an example of a decision you made recently where you applied this principle?
0: Well, I mean, really recently, I've been really, really focusing on trying to not complain to my mom about doing daily tasks. For instance, so that's playing the game, you know, fitting shape but I know that I'm doing it. Like, it's not just me going along. I made a conscious decision to do this, and I know that I'm doing this. Like, it's it's a it's a decision that I made, and I thought about it, and I realized that I'd like to do it this way. And then raising the stakes is just, raising the ante is just trying to work harder at that, you know, get it all the way up. Same with my hyper so.
1: That's interesting. So it was meaningful to you meaningful enough for you to pull back on the complaining uh, because that's a habit that you recognized in yourself um and this isn't something you and i talked about you sh- you texted me a couple days ago saying hey yulia i'm doing this <laughs> <laughs> and i'm i'm doing an experiment and yeah i was i was intrigued when i heard that but i was curious why i mean it might sound to someone listening that you're trying to get something or you're trying to manipulate an outcome, but what's, so I'm curious, like what's your no, it's,
0: reasoning? It's, it's outcome independent because again, this is an experiment. I want to see what happens because um, before this with the observing ego, I'm noticing, I've been noticing a pattern of my mom saying that I complain about everything. So that means that I complain a lot more than I thought I did. Mm. And so I am trying to see if cutting down the complaint will stop her saying that, or if it's just been so long, me constantly complaining about everything that she's developed a stereotype. And okay. I don't know which one it is. So I want to, I'm using this to find out.
1: Is, is, has it been difficult to recognize when you're about to complain and kind of pull back or how has that yeah, experience often, been?
0: <laughs> Oftentimes it's been me beginning to do it and then be like, uh, uh, "I
1: uh, fine. <laughs> so It's funny be because
0: like,
1: oh, even though I'll like just, this was, this was your idea, your decision, and you've been implementing it for a couple days. So even though you are really invested in putting in this effort, it's still hard for you.
0: It's, it's not easy. I'll, I'll start doing it and I'll be like, uh, I, fine. And then I'll go do whatever it is or go along with, it, and even sometimes like I can't stop like I'll, I'll do it and I'll catch myself doing it and I'll just be mad and I'll still complain anyway. So uh-huh. I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect at it, but I'm trying my hardest. So
1: Okay. Um, what percent of the time would you say you're
0: successful so far? 85%.
1: All right, that's pretty reliable.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's not the greatest, but I'm 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 still working on it. Okay.
1: So because you brought up this thing about what is meaningful versus what is significant um i'm curious what motivates you to play the game what is it that you hope to achieve or what is a dream that you have about you know your life what what makes you light up inside when you think about it if if any of those questions make sense.
0: This is where the third part of this quote is what I apply to my life in the biggest way. This is where the third part, the last one, has the most meaning to me because I have sat here with my observing ego and I have served myself and my actions and analyzed what the future will be and I can see what I will need to do to have to get to my goal of being able to be successful in whatever I do. I'm not assigning a label to it because I don't currently know what it is. But My goal is to go on and to be successful successful because every other thing that I've gone to and tried, I've become the best at. And so that's still my goal, even in life, is to do the best at whatever I can.
1: But you're not quite sure what that is yet, but you know that whatever it is, you're going to work your hardest and to do your best in it. Yes. And how do you define success, even vaguely?
0: Um, well, I mean, I guess generally what I'm looking for is just security. Because I know a lot of students coming out of college, have large amounts of debt. And obviously, I'm not expecting to graduate with no debt to whatever college I go to, but I'd like to come out of the college and eventually get to a point where I don't really, I don't always have to watch what I have. Like, I don't always have to count pennies to make sure I have enough. I want to be able to be secure.
1: So so part of the way you're defining success is financial security. Yes. Is there more also, layers to success? Yeah, there's,
0: there's more there's more of that. It's financial security, but also with a job that I enjoy, something that's like, or at least some of the time, just like my dad, looking back to him, because obviously his job's not his perfect job, he's not always loving it, but nobody does, even at the jobs that they do enjoy most of the time, and I would like that. That's the second part of what I'm trying to reach.
1: Okay, so you have financial security and a job that you love enough, <laughs> which yeah, I think is a yeah, great way a to good, put it.
0: That is a good way to put it.
1: Right? Like this is a really fun part of the work I do, um, but it's not always ice cream and chocolate chip cookies, right? Sometimes you just have to hunker down and, and do the boring stuff too. Yeah. Um, I get that. And I think that's, uh, that's a good way to look at it. So first part, financial security. Second part is enjoying the work that you do, finding meaning, right? And significance Mm -hmm. in the work. Um, Are there any other layers uh, to your definition of success?
0: I mean, that's the goal that I'm reaching towards right now. It's two Mm -hmm. parts and it's pretty big. And I mean, if and when I get there, I will change my goal. I'll look back at what I did and I'll say, I've gotten here. Now what am I looking towards? What am I working towards? What do I need to do? Like that's my whole mindset on life is to analyze everything that I'm doing and to understand how it's getting me towards a goal that I'm trying to reach. Mm-hmm.
1: So I'm curious because I could agree with your your two metrics for success but i have two more for me okay and i want to share them with you and have you reflect a little bit whether or not they resonate with you sure and for me part of being successful other than financial security and work that i love to do which i'm lucky enough to say that i i have those i have achieved that at this point in my life um but what to me is actually more important in the hierarchy of what I define as success are having successful relationships. Um, Meaning having people in my life who I feel safe and comforted by and who support me and uplift me and are there to support me and who I can support. Um, And, and, and having a community of people that are reliable and, When I talk about relationships, I mean relationships with family, uh, with friends, and with partners. So as I talk about this, I wonder if that resonates with you.
0: I mean, I guess that falls under both categories because... The relationships, like financially, for instance, if I were to have a family, financially security, I would have to change what I was doing and I would have to change my look on what I had to get to to actually support that because instead of just me, it would be a family. But also, in fact, that it's a job that I love. It should be the same way with, you know, the family relationships that I have with my parents and my siblings and the relationships that a parent would have with the children For instance, for my wife and any of her relatives, like or siblings, the relationship that I would have with them would need to be one that I loved.
1: Mm. So, okay. And my other one that I would add to this is that whatever the work I am doing, I'm putting my effort and using my talents and my skills in service to the community and i'm not saying that everybody should do this but i'm saying for me personally what motivates me to put in the amount of effort that i do is that i i get to be of service to my community and for me that's one of the most important recipes for not just success but what i you know what we call fulfillment um and to me it's it's beyond a paycheck. A paycheck allows me to survive, but it it isn't fulfilling like the relationships or like being of service. And I wonder if you relate to that.
0: Okay. Um, So, coming back around to the fact that like my goal is to be the best, it's not out of ambition. Like I'm Mm -hmm. not looking to get to the top Mm because the top isn't necessarily the best, if that makes sense. Because, for instance, what you were saying is in service to the community, like, the job that you're doing is going to be servicing somebody because you're going to be working for somebody else. And so, you like, to become the best at it, you want to produce the best work you can have for the other person in service of them and in a relationship with another person, um, the ultimate like, expression of love is sharing everything, doing everything in service of the other person.
1: So it is part of your, your philosophy. It's kind of built into being the best and having good relationships is, is giving. Mm-hmm. And being the best, meaning not climbing the ladder because you're ambitious but it means giving the best of yourself in service to others.
0: Yes, that sums it up.
1: Cool. And we've come to a little bit of a lightning round. So these are three questions that I'll be asking throughout this series of interviews. And it's related to the work that I do and the work that, You and I, and your family, and and all of us have been doing. And that is, we are creating better systems for getting along and getting stuff done. Would you agree that that's the work we've been doing?
0: Yeah, because what we've been working on, I really appreciate the help that you've given me. It's helped me foster better relationships with my family, which is getting along, but also you've helped me develop systems to manage and to manage the work that I have and to help me play the game Mm. because for school, you have to turn in the assignments and you have to go get the good grades so that you look good for the college that you want to get into. Like it's, that's playing the game because you have to fit in and you have to do it even if it isn't what you want to be doing.
1: And thank you by the way for that. I'm really (laughs) glad to hear that it's been helpful. So to get into these light, lightning round questions, my first one is, what's, and by the way, you haven't like seen these and come up with your answers, right? This is on the spot. No, this is on the spot. <laughs> okay. So, and it's okay if you want to take some time to think. So what's the hardest part about getting along with family?
0: Personally, I guess it would be my relationship with my parents and I guess my mom specifically. We've had a lot of times where I've broken trust in the past before I had like my viewpoint change and it's fostered a difficult relationship between the two of us. So I guess that's one of the hardest things about getting along with family is that our relationship is not the best.
1: And so you're talking about what's hard is to rebuild the trust yeah. that, is, that has been kind of lost. Yes. And that's a really sensitive subject, so I appreciate you really authentically sharing that. Um, what have you noticed uh, that has improved in this category for you?
0: Our ability to talk and to discuss issues. to actually resolve them, because uh, before my work with you it was often difficult even though I would analyze the situations it was just hard for me to manage the situations because they were often emotionally difficult for me because I was trying to work hard and it was not easy and we just didn't have good conversations and that kind of fostered a bad relationship.
1: What would you say now is is different about your ability to talk and talk through
0: issues um well you've helped me understand her viewpoint of things and understanding that and being able to step into somebody else's shoes is really helpful when you're discussing an issue because you can realize what their concerns are you can have, have them tell you their concerns and then collaboratively uh, come up with a solution to the problem. And now that that's a, a process that's been established, uh, executing it isn't always the easiest, but we we do it. We are able to get through things and oftentimes can take a while. It's not a magic wand. You can just snap your fingers and come to the answer that you want. It takes time, but we're able to do it.
1: That's really cool to hear. I'm. I'm wondering, you know, right when we started, did you, did you have resistance to the process and why?
0: Um, at the beginning, yes, I did, because I didn't trust my mom. I didn't think that she would have made the change that she did. And things are much different than I ever believed they could be, because I always thought that there was no way that she could ever do anything else than what she was. So but working with you and help, and understanding her views has helped a bunch because i've realized that obviously whatever she's doing is not out of malice for me it's out of some sort of concern that she has for me and once i understand those i can explain or i can i can either do one of two things i can explain to her why her concern um is not as bad as she thinks it is because of something that isn't what she thinks it is maybe, or I am doing something that she thought I wasn't or other, like I can just come to her and talk to her about it and explain, or I can come to a better understanding of her concern and realize that it's legitimate and start applying that to my life, not because she's making me, but because I understand why she's asking me to do it.
1: Mm. Very cool. Thank you so much for sharing that as part of the second thing that we're working on getting stuff done being you know creating systems that are effective reliable more efficient um the second lightning round question is what gets in the way of you getting stuff done
0: um well before i had this system and even now I still do have slip ups sometimes, but before I had any reliable system to keep track of my assignments, I would try to remember everything in my head. And that did not work. I would forget everything because I had a terrible memory and there were students that actually could do that you know, manage it like that because they didn't have ADHD and, were, and even students who don't have ADHD use the planets, but that's a side point. I knew some students who could do that and who did it and got pretty good grades off of it and so I wanted to do that because I didn't want to write anything down because I didn't like the planners and I didn't like writing stuff down. And as you can clearly see, that would not have and did not go well. <laughs> right. But once uh, you and I just figured out best system was to use my phone and google calendar and programming reminders and, and events to help keep track of stuff because i use my phone a lot i have it in my, with me all the time and it is the best way and the most efficient way to get my attention because i would even i did try the planner system because we often have to try things and see if they work and this one didn't and taking the observing ego realizing that didn't work What can we change? And coming back and discussing that with you, we figured out that since I always have my phone on me and I can type in assignments quickly and teachers will let me do it at the end of classes if I ask. So it's not difficult for me to do. And I can remember it because the teachers will usually bring up the homework or I can take a picture on the board or something like that. And then I can program it into my phone to remind me later during the afternoon so that I can say, look at my phone, see a notification that says you need to do this assignment. And I'll be like, okay, sounds good. And I'll go work on all the assignments and I'll finish them and then I'll be done. And I've been, that's been working a lot better. Mm.
1: And for, if, if my memory serves me well, <laughs> uh, I remember Nathan, how much time it took you and I to understand discuss, implement, and try out a ton of different systems uh, before you got to one that worked for you. And you were a little resistant in the beginning.
0: Yeah, I was like, the grades that I'm getting, I don't, they're okay. (laughs) They're not great, but they're they're okay. (laughs) You're and like, i was like i don't need i don't need to change
1: anything <laughs> right you were like don't worry Julia. i got this under control and i was like okay
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so it took a lot of trial and error i remember we had a whole session once where we set up your first planner you you designed it you labeled it you put your name on it and then what happened
0: i lost it <laughs>
1: you lost it <laughs> so we're like all right let's try it again got a second planner uh And I think that one you, you didn't actually
0: use. uh, I started it for like two (laughs) days and then I just didn't use it anymore.
1: Right. And then I think you found the old one. (laughs) Yep. Uh, It it took a lot of trial and error and you were a little resistant, but you know, in my experience, that's part of the process of change. It's, it takes time. And then one day you told me, you know what, Yulia, I don't like this system. I prefer to do it this way. And I was like, okay, (laughs) give it a go. And we could see over time how you created a more and more reliable system, you kept honing it, and you kept coming up with ideas. And it's not perfect, but it's good enough now uh, to where, you know, we actually don't need to spend a big chunk of our session managing uh, the the work because you're pretty good at doing that on your own.
0: Yeah. You've helped me a lot there and I really appreciate that.
1: Awesome. Thank you. Okay. So our lightning round is coming to a close with this final question. And again, it might be tough to come up with an answer. Um, <laughs> or you might have it right on the tip of your tongue. Let's see. What is the most important thing you wish your parents understood about you
0: Um, i guess i wish that they understood that i always am trying like i've changed the way that i used to be and they do recognize that, but not all the time. Hmm. So I guess I wish that they knew that I had more capacity for change than they think I do. Hmm.
1: What What's something they can do to show you that they are noticing the effort you're putting in, maybe despite even whatever the outcome is? Because sometimes we try our best and we still can't quite reach the goal, right?
0: Um, well, I mean, one of my biggest grudges against my parents is that they have this monitor software on there. And especially as of recently, what's really been a pain for me is that it can tell them how much time I'm spending on there. And I don't really like that because it's like, I use my phone for a bunch and then my mom will come talk to me about it. And especially as of recent, like before when there was school, I was managing school. And so I like I didn't have problems with using my phone because what had happened is I had used my phone way too much. And then like playing games and such and I didn't get any sleep. And then I woke up the next day. Actually, I, I pulled an all-nighter. I didn't go to sleep that night. I just played games. And then I went to school, and I could not function. And I, my observing ego and we were like, this does not work. We cannot do that anymore because that I just did not function that school day. And I, I told myself that doesn't work, so we changed it. But now that there's quarantine and uh, the cyber school with the coronavirus, I'll get my cyber school done much faster because there's not as much work. And I can also watch the videos at like 1.5 speed sometimes so that they take up less time. But I can still understand it because his voice is legible. And it's just him teaching the lesson a little bit quicker. And what's awesome about that is I can stop and go back if I don't understand something and rewatch the section and understand you know, what's going on they send out videos it's not uh, live online classes but I'll get that done much faster and I'll be on my phone and it's irritating that my mom sometimes will come in and be like you need to stop being on your phone and I know that that's a problem for all teenagers but um it's that she doesn't want me on there and I wish that she would realize that right now it's not a normal situation and so things are going to be much different than they were And oftentimes what I'm using and what's my only refuge to my sanity, I swear during this quarantine is being able to text all of my friends and stay in contact with them because it's all isolation and it's not fun to not be able to hang out with anybody. Like I miss all of my friends and I never thought I would say this, but I miss going to school because I have no friends. (laughs) So,
1: so we're talking about the quarantine. This is something yeah. all of us are dealing with right now. Uh, so what would you say, Nathan, is the hardest part about this?
0: Definitely not being able to maintain relationships physically with friends. Mm. I mean, cause it's, and also being stuck inside most of the time because every day I've been getting outside, I like to go longboarding. It's a skateboard with bigger rubber wheels for those who don't know, but I like to, and it's longer obviously, but I like to longboard around the neighborhood and I like to, it put a lot of effort into it and it's a form of cardio exercise and leg exercise. And it's nice because the days are getting warmer. It's spring, the sun's coming out and I can, it's more comfortable to go around and do that than it used to be during the winter. But All the other time than like the two hours that I go out every day, maybe less, maybe more sometimes, but all the other times than that, I'm stuck in this house. I can't go anywhere. I can't like, I I, want to go see friends and hang out with them, but I can't do that. So I'm stuck in here and I have trouble finding things to do sometimes. And it's a lot more enjoyable for me to go text my friends and have conversations with them like I would at school, but I can't because they're not, here with me. So I'll text them. But that is that my mom considers is too much time spent on my phone. Mm. And so we have a conflict there.
1: Yeah. And that's definitely something I'm hearing echoed across the board. Um, So it's not a unique challenge. I also feel like personally, I'm spending so much time on screens and tech because that's now my work, my volunteering, my social life. It's all tied to and connected to the internet. Um, And it's been hard to find a balance. In this time of quarantine, there's lots of emotions and feelings that come up. And for many of us, let me know if it's true for you, we are experiencing more stress.
0: Yeah, definitely. Especially for kids who don't have the best relationship with their parents now that stuck with their parents. So, one of the biggest emotional regulars that I have is my friends, being able to go to them and talk to them, you know, have relationships with them, but not being able to have the physical element of it. It's surprising how key of an element that is.
1: I'm glad you brought that up because now that that big way for you to regulate yourself is missing. And my question to you is, from the techniques that you and I practice, the mindfulness meditation techniques, what has been the most helpful for you?
0: Um, well, honestly, one of the things that's been most helpful is just being able to have a person to bounce things off of. Like when situations happen, I like to come talk to you and figure out, you know, what what could have gone differently and to help understand why I reacted the way I did. In that situation, mm-hmm. it's, it's an aid to myself because when I can add extra information that you help me understand and extract out of the situation, and I can add that to my looking back on it. And when I decide to change it the way I want to, when I have come up to a point and I've considered most of the possibilities and I decide on the one that's best and change it, it's nice to have someone else to bounce it off of.
1: Mm -hmm. A lot of times when you and I connect, we first want to get through whatever the emotion is. If it's a really big emotion, sometimes it scatters that logical process. So my question is, of all the tools we've used, which one would you say was the most helpful immediately to help you calm your anxiety or to regulate your mood?
0: Becoming curious about it. Rather than letting it overwhelm you, and that's not the same thing as not feeling it. There's mm. there's a difference there. Not letting it overwhelm you and instead of becoming curious. Looking at it and saying, uh, why did I feel this way? And trying to understand that helps really it gets you outside of the feeling. You'll still you'll still know it's there, obviously, but it, it's not gonna be as bad as if you, you just stick in it and let it see, sit there and see, then you get all of these bad Emotions from it and bad associations with that situation, which is probably a very common one in your family as it should be as you're talking to someone, you get upset or something like that, or a bad situation happens between you and your parents. Um, it It sits there and then you think about it and you get angry about it and it, you don't enact a change.
1: What is Nathan, your message to teens your age who are struggling right now? maybe through some of the stuff that you went through in the past, what do you wish they knew uh, that you know now? How can you help them?
0: Um, Well, the most useful thing that I have is, even though it might not be easy for you, try to develop an observing ego. It's really useful. If you can get it, it helps out a lot. Um, It's a lot of work but you can develop it. You just have to uh, take a step back, if that makes sense. Detach yourself emotionally from it and look at the facts logically and understand that you do have capacity to change and you define who you are.
1: That's a lovely message, Nathan. We're going to wrap it up there. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for agreeing to doing this interview and for sharing your unique talents, your skills, your ability uh, in service to this community. And hopefully that your message resonated with somebody and helped somebody today. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you.